Are you glad to be here tonight? Thank you. I got a couple of you. Man, hey, well, hey, even if you're not glad to be here, I'm glad you're here. I thank you for showing up. Y'all figure out the handshake after we're done tonight, and you'll be good to go. Okay? Somebody tell me what we talked about last week. We talked about love. Do you remember what the question was? How, how do I spot, how do I spot true love? What were the four things that we said you look for that define true love? True love is sacrificial, unconditional, beneficial, original. Yes. If you were here last week, you heard we talked about that, guys. Every one of us, we're talking about love and dating and, and the whole purpose that we date the whole reason that, that we go out with people is because we're looking for love. I mean, am I wrong? No? Maybe? We'll talk about that tonight. But the whole reason we go into relationships that we date people is, is we're looking for love. We want to feel loved. We want to love other people. So last week we looked at how Scripture actually defines true love. That when we enter into those relationships, here's what true love really looks like. It's sacrificial. It's a love or you are going to sacrifice for other people. You may set aside some of the things that you would do or some of the things you would hope for just because you love that person so much you're willing to sacrifice for them. We said that true love was unconditional, that it doesn't matter what that person does, even if they rip your heart out and stomp on it, there's some little part of you in there that still loves that person. That's true love. We talked about how love is beneficial. When you experience true love, it makes your life better. When you give true love to somebody, it makes their life better. And true love is original because true love comes from God. He is the source of love. He is the one that created it. And if we are really going to experience it in any relationship we have, it has to start with experiencing it from Him. So that's how we spot true love. Now tonight we're going to talk about what is God's plan for love. We know what true love looks like, but what's His plan for it? How's that supposed to play out in our lives? Now the way we do it, is what? How do we find love? Dating. Dating. True. Did you just say eat? No. Oh, Facebook? You find love through Facebook. Okay, you said eat. I was going to say, I know I heard eating over here somewhere. Okay, maybe you love food that much. You're, you're scaring me a little bit. Well, yeah, the main way we look for love is through dating. We look for through relationships, guys. That's how, that's how we decide that, that we feel wanted, we feel needed. We feel those emotions, that warm, fuzzy feeling inside, that tingle you get through your body when that certain boy touches your hand or whatever, you, however you describe it. We go for true love through dating relationships. But here's a problem. The reason we're asking this question right here is because if you look at Scripture, do you find dating anywhere in God's Word? No, you don't. It's not there. You can look, you can look, you can travel all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, and nowhere that you look will you find dating. You won't see it there. Because the reality is, dating is something of our own creation. It is the system that we have come up with. It is our plan of how to find love. It's our plan of how love's supposed to work. But when we look at Scripture, that's not what we see. And tonight we're going to talk about that. We're going to go through Scripture and we're going to see what God's plan is. Because the reality is our plan, our plan's kind of weird. Let me just be honest with you. 
Our plan changes all the time. If you go back through history and look decade after decade, culture after culture, you'll see that this whole dating thing, this whole relationship thing, it looks different. And there's some weird stuff that happens in some different cultures and at different times. For instance, let me, let me, let me share this with you. I found this the other day. It says, in ancient times, many of the first marriages were by capture, not choice. Did you catch that? By capture, which means... Which means, when there was a scarcity of women, men raided other villages for wives. They went into the other villages, and they took their women, and that's how they got their wives. Arranged marriages were the norm, primarily business relationships born out of the desire and or need for property, monetary, or political alliances. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what settled for dating many, many, many years ago. You just went out, hey, I like her, take her home. She's your wife now. You steal her wherever. You go to the grocery store, hey, you're going to be my wife, and you just pack her up and take her home with you. That, that's what it would look like now, but that's what happened. But hey, oh, hey, it gets, it's, it's still weird. As you move further along, listen to this. In medieval times, the importance of love in a relationship emerged as a reaction to arranged marriages. So people decided, okay, I've got all these arranged marriages, but I really want to love somebody. So that's what happens in medieval times. That's why you see things like the, uh, the, the suitors, the guys that would come in with guitars and, and play music and, and recite poetry or create poetry and would try to woo these women. You like that? I use the word woo. You don't hear that too much nowadays, do you? But they would try to woo these women. It says, now listen to this. It says, chastity and honor were highly regarded virtues. That maybe has changed a little bit nowadays. In fact, it said in 1228, this I found interesting, women first gained the right to propose marriage to men in Scotland. It wasn't here. It was in Scotland. It keeps going. Listen to this. All the Nordic countries, this one's weird. All the Nordic countries have courtship customs involving knives. For instance, for instance, in Norway... In Norway, when a girl comes of age, her father lets it be known that she was available by marriage. The girl would wear an empty sheath on her belt, an empty sheath for a knife. She would wear it on her belt. If a suitor liked the girl, that means if a guy liked her, he would put a knife in the sheath, which the girl now wore as a sign that she was betrothed. Guys, you wanted to marry a girl then? All you had to do was give her a knife. No. See, I knew that was going to happen. You perverted little weirdo. I hear you. Oh, but it gets better. Hey, hey, y'all want to, you guys want to hear some of the customs that happened in America many years ago? In the 16th and 17th century, in America and in Europe, <laughs> courting couples shared a bed, fully clothed, and often with what was called a bundling board between them or a bolster cover tied over the girl's legs. Listen, okay, yeah. The guy, the guy would go to the girl's house and they would both be fully clothed and their parents would go into the room and, and the girl's parents would put the guy and the girl into bed and they would either put a board in between them or they would tie something over the girl's legs 
And it was an opportunity for the two to get to know each other without any kind of physical intimacy. So they had to lay there in the safety of her parents' home in a bed with the parents there and talk. That's a fun date, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I'm going to do to my daughter when she gets old enough. I'm telling you, I like that idea. I know that is weird. Hold on, hold on. I've got another one. It, it, gets, even, it gets even weirder. And Hunter would like this because he likes to play with knives and you like to carve things, right? In 17th century Wales, ornately carved spoons known as love spoons. Ladies, you're getting a spoon if you lived in, in 17th century Wales. They were traditionally made from a single piece of wood and a suitor carved them out to show his love and affection for a girl. The decorative carvings have various meanings from an anchor meaning I desire to settle down with you. So it didn't have to just be a spoon. It could have taken different shapes. To an intricate vine meaning love grows. You have one? Okay. See, apparently it still happens nowadays. Yes, Miss Savannah. Throwing an apple in ancient Greece was a proposal of marriage. What if, what if you were a bad throw and threw it to the wrong woman? Yeah, you, you got a problem at that point. Yeah, just pass it down. I don't want that one. <laughs> but hey, hey, guys, guys, hey, I got one more. In England, only about 200 years ago in England, and this wasn't that long ago, if a suitor liked a girl, on Saturday he would send her a pair of gloves. And if she wore those gloves to church on Sunday, that means she accepted his proposal. Kind of cool. But do you see us doing that today? No. Now, see, we think, that, we think some of that stuff's kind of weird. We do. But I bet you if some of these folks that did these traditions, I bet if they looked, I bet if, hold on, I bet if they looked at some of the things we do nowadays, they would think that's pretty weird. In fact, there's some things I see happening that I think is pretty weird. Like when a guy gets picked up at his house by a girl instead of the other way around. Now, if that's some of you guys are ladies in here, I'm sorry, but to me, I, you just, that's just not the way it's done. Okay? Or when you go out on a date and the woman pays. I, I, it's just, it's, these people would think that's weird. Or how about this? Hey, the idea that some of you in here might have more than one boyfriend or girlfriend in a year would be weird to these people. Yeah, it's kind of messed up, isn't it? Because, hey, what you, what you see here, guys, is that just like back then and just like now, dating is something of our own creation. And as times change, as culture changes, dating changes. But God's plan doesn't change. God's plan for love, God's plan for us to find the person we're supposed to be with for the rest of our lives, it doesn't change. It's not like some of us have the mindset of, and, and I'm sorry if I offend somebody here, but some of us look at dating like we're test driving cars. We need to try a couple. We need to take them out, kick the tires, drive them around a little bit, see if we like it, and if we don't, I'll just trade it in for another one. That's how we date. That's kind of sad. And the, things that, and the things that, hey guys, 
Even the idea of us, hey, even the idea of us being one-on-one on a date would seem weird to some cultures. And the fact that guys, when you're with a girl and you're looking for the opportunity to make a move and put you, yeah, who does that? No, hopefully nobody. Now, let me, let me tell you a story. I want to warn you. Be very careful if you ever try to date and you ever try this number. Okay? It can work, but it can also be very bad. Because there was one time I was dating this girl in high school, my wife. And as I've told you guys before, I absolutely hated heights and roller coasters. And Kathleen, we went to the fair, and Kathleen really wanted to go on the Ferris wheel. I did not do heights. I love them now, but I didn't do them then. So I figured, okay, here's my opportunity. My girlfriend wants to go on the Ferris wheel. We're going to be in this bucket. We're going to go up high. We're going to see the, the stars and see the lights over Gainesville. And, and we did, and it was great. Hey, hey, it's what it is, man. It's where we were. I know you don't like it. I should have said Tallahassee, but then I'd be lying to you, and I'm not going to do that. So, so we're going up. We're going up. And I follow what dating tells me I should do. There's a breeze blowing. Kathleen's a little cold. So I'm going to put my arm around her. Only guys, word of warning. When you go to do that, make sure you go up and over. Because if you don't and you move too quickly, you do this number and you clock her in the face with your elbow. And that's exactly what I did. Now, I will tell you this. That's not the only time that ever happened between us. I did it twice. Not that night, but I did do it twice. And luckily, luckily she let me put my arm around her anyway. And now she's my wife, so it's all good, right? She's forgiven me. Years later, she's forgiven me. Oh, yeah, she's gotten payback many times since then. Those are some of the hazards we have when we talk about dating. When we talk about what our plan for love is, and this thing will not stay up. When we talk about our plan for love, guys, it changes from every culture. It changes from every time. But God's plan, what we're going to look at tonight, God's plan does not change. It doesn't. Because God is the one that created us. God knows what we desire. In fact, the first thing when we talk about God's plan and we talk about his plan for love is that God knows we have needs and desires. Did you know that? The relationships that we have, the boyfriends, girlfriends, there are physical needs and desires that we have as as guys and girls, as men and women, that were put there by God, that are natural. But the problem is, when we get into dating relationships, we start taking those things out of the context that God intended them for. You see, God knows this because he tells us, if you look down in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2, Paul talks about those desires that God gave us. Here's what he says. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Guys, that does not give you right to say, woman, go make me a sandwich. Okay? That is not what that means. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. 
Do not deprive one another. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You see, that tells me right there that the desires and needs that we feel like we have, God put them there and they're supposed to be there. But the problem we run into is when we start dating people, those needs and desires, we seek a way to fulfill those needs and desires outside of the relationship that God designed those for. You see, it says that husbands, your wife belongs to your, or your body belongs to your wife. Wives, and hopefully you all will be one of these one day, husband or wife. Wives, your body belongs to your husband, not yourself. You see, God understands that those desires are there and that we are supposed to use those desires and fulfill those needs in the context of marriage. Where we get into trouble is when we get into dating relationships and all of a sudden, ladies, you start letting your boyfriend treat your body like it's his, the way it says a husband should. Or guys, you start letting your girlfriend treat your body like it's hers, the way it says a wife should, and that is completely out of the arena that God designed that for. See, God knows we have these needs. That's why he warns us of that. That's why Paul says that in verses 2 through 4, that because of sexual immorality, because of those areas, those times, when you're going to be tempted by somebody that is not your husband and not your wife, you need to find a husband or a wife. Now, you're not going to be married in high school. I understand that. Practice a little self-control. Okay? It's hard, but it can be done. Because, and this, this is a complete side note. The day you get married, listen to me. The day you get married, you don't want to have to look at your husband or your wife and say, you're not the first one. Because that changes the relationship, guys. It does. That's why God designed it to be in the context of marriage. That's why he gave us these physical desires and he gave us marriage so that those physical desires could be fulfilled. Now, some people will tell you, you know what? Being married to the same person for the rest of my life, oh my goodness, that sounds so boring. But believe it or not, that's the most intimate freedom you could ever experience. Because that's the way God designed it. You know, a lot of people, it's the way they talk about church. They say, well, God's Bible, that's just a list of rules. It's a list of don'ts. But the reality is, in that relationship with God, in that, in that life through Jesus Christ, you have more freedom than you ever do when you're trapped by the sin that holds you down every single day. And it's the same way with marriage. We have that freedom. We have the ability to express those needs and desires because God put them in that context. When we date, we're playing with fire because that's not the way God designed it. And let me tell you this. If you're with somebody and you think this is the person you're going to be married to and you're not physically attracted to that person, you're with the wrong person. Let me just put that out there. They may be a great friend, but if there's no physical attraction, that's not the man or woman God wants you to marry because he designed us to have physical attraction to that person. Okay? So that doesn't mean go out and find somebody that gets you all hot and bothered. Easy. I'm stopping there. But it means, guys, if you do decide to date, if you do, 
I hope you're attracted to the person, okay? Because that's the way God designed it. That's what he wants it. That's what he wants to happen for us. Marriage, guys, marriage is the context. Because God understands, God designed us, God created us to be in families. His design, his plan for love, the result of those relationships are families. That's what he tells us in Scripture. Go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord said, God, or excuse me, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God knew. Guys, it's not good for us to be alone. It's not a good place because we're going to do stupid stuff. I will make a helper fit for him. And in verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God took, had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then he said, then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and therefore hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now see, right there, we see the first marriage relationship. When God started, when God created man and he created woman, he didn't say, Adam, I made six women for you. Go pick one. Go try them all out. Hang out with them, get to know them, and then pick one. He made one man, and he made one woman, and they were a couple. That's God's design. That's what he intended from the very beginning of creation. Now, understand, that does not mean that Eve was perfect, okay? Sometimes we get this idea in our mind that, that we're holding out for Mr. Right. We're holding out for the perfect woman, and that person, when they come into our life, they will fulfill every one of our needs, and they will sweep us off our feet, and they will make life completely 100% better. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us that's what's going to happen. What he did is he said he made a helper fit for Adam. It doesn't say he made a perfect woman for Adam. Some of us hold on to that idea that there is a perfect person out there for us, and I hate to tell you this, none of us are perfect. Every one of us is scarred by sin. Every single one of us. You won't find that perfect person. But what you will find is the person that God made for you. And they will be flawed. And sometimes they will make you cry. Other times they will make you laugh. But you will find that person that God made for you. If you follow God's plan for love. If you're staying within the context that he designed it for. <laughs> that's, that's a whole lot more I could say there I'm not going to we complicate the relationships guys we complicate looking for a spouse by getting down and muddied and dirty in the relationships of dating now I'm not saying that you can't date I'm not saying you shouldn't date I dated my wife for five years before we got married you're going to date but what I'm trying to help you understand is that there is a plan and a purpose if you're going to date that there is a goal, there is an end in mind, and that goal and end is the relationship that God designed you to be in with a husband or a wife. And we've got to be careful not to muddy those waters because when we date, here's what we do. 
We walk a very thin line between being married and being single. And our sinful nature will very oftentimes confuse us and cause us to do things that God does not want us to do outside of the context of marriage. That's why his design, his plan, he created us to be in families. And since he created us to be in families, guess what? God knows how families works. He knows how family works. He knows how marriage works because he's the one that designed it. He's the one that created it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, he talks to us about how husbands and wives are supposed to relate to each other. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the, oh, it's the, head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. Now as this church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Who who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Guys, notice something here. Almost every passage we've talked about tonight has talked about you leaving your mother and father and clinging to your wife. There's not a whole lot of room for dating in there, is it? It doesn't talk about that. It says that you are supposed to leave your parents and go to your wife. It doesn't say move out on your own and for the next 15 years date as many women as possible and hopefully you'll find this is right. That's not what it says. Because that's not God's design. He understands that we are supposed to look for that person that we're going to spend the rest of our life with. You know, if you, if you kind of read this here, the scenario, what this looks like, is more like courting than it is dating. And I know we kind of laughed when we read that part about the guy and the girl lying in the bed and the board that's in between them. But that's exactly what's going on there is that that couple, those families back then, they found a way to help that man and that woman get to know each other before there was ever any kind of physical, intimate complications. What's funny? We make fun of internet sites like, oh, oh, what are are they, eHarmony, mytime.com, for those of you who are over 50 years old and still single. I saw that commercial the other day. What's that? match. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds. But hey, think about this, guys. We make fun of those. Oh yeah, there's christiansingle.com too and Christian chat and what, Christian Mingle, excuse me. We make fun of those things, but you know what? That's exactly what those sites are doing. Is they're making you sit down. They're making you actually think out what you're looking for in a relationship, guys. They're making you sit down and process, okay, the kind of guy I want, I want somebody that matches this. 
Guys, the kind of lady that I want to date, I want somebody that matches this. And you actually have to decide what you're looking for before you ever talk to anybody. Which means you need to know what you want. Which means you might have to communicate to somebody before that physical relationship ever happens. That sounds exactly like what he's talking about here. Not going out and dating as many people as we can. Trying as many things as we can. Doing whatever we want to do but actually getting to know somebody. God's plan is in the context of marriage. Ladies, think about the qualities you want in a husband. Just for a second. Think about it. Maybe 5, 10, 15 years down the road. I don't know how old all of you are in here. Think about the qualities that you want in a husband. And remember this. According to Scripture, that's the man you're going to agree to submit to. That's the man you're going to agree to follow where he leads you spiritually. That's the man you're going to entrust to raise up your children to know who God is and what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross. Now, did you think very hard about the last guy that you dated if that was going to be that man? Guys, same thing for you. Think about the kind of woman that you want to be your wife, the mother of your children. I'm guessing it's not some of the girls that you've heard stories about. Think about the qualities that you want. Because link, look at some of this. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says you're going to give yourself up for her. It says you're going to agree to lead her that you're going to serve her. You are going to love her like you love yourself. You are going to sacrifice yourself the way that Christ sacrificed himself for the church. And I'll tell you right now, if you're not willing to lead, she's not going to be willing to follow. And over time, that's going to create a bitterness in both of you because you're supposed to be leading and that'll make her bitter that you're not. And she won't follow where you lead, and that'll make you bitter because you know you're supposed to be the leader. That's the relationship God designed. And when we date, when we have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that's the goal that we're aiming for. That's what we're supposed to be looking for. And what's scary is a lot of times when we date somebody, that couldn't be the farthest thing from our mind. We've got to look at what God's plan is God's plan, God's goal, God's desire for us in relationships to find love is marriage. Because he created us to be in families. Because the reality is right there, God's plan is that we experience his love through family. His plan is that we experience this true love that we talked about last week. We experience it through family. He talks about it in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's the foundation 
of society and the church? It's the family. Where does society and the family turn to when there's a problem? The church. The family is that basic building block of what God intended to be his larger family. Our families, marriages, passing these things on to our children the way it talks about right here. We need to be in a relationship where God's love is poured out on us so that we can then turn around and pour that love out on other people. Now, I understand there are going to be some people in this room, you may never get married. You may never have kids. But that doesn't mean you can't still experience true love from God and then turn around and pour that into the church family. Working with teenagers or working with little kids or working with other adults in the church. God does have a plan, even though we don't necessarily always go down that plan exactly the way it's shown. He can still use us in those contexts, guys. But his intention, his intention is for us to experience love through the family. Your happiness and your effectiveness as a man or a woman is rooted in who God wants you to be. Not what you're trying to be for that guy. Not what you hope to be for that girl. Guys, I hate to tell you, nobody cares how many girls you've gone out with. It's really not that important. Ladies, I'm sorry to say, it doesn't matter how many guys like you at one time. It doesn't. Because the reality is, is that's not what's important to God. And if we say we love God with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our strength, with everything we have, then what we're supposed to be doing is seeking after Him and seeking after His plan and His design and what He intended for our lives. And when it comes to love, that plan and that design is to be in a relationship with the man or the woman, not that is necessarily the perfect person, but the one that God made for each and every single one of you. And my caution to you is if you date if you decide to date, please bear this in mind. Because if we don't, when we enter those dating relationships, we get off track. And our selfish desires start to take over. And we start messing around in ways we shouldn't mess around. And before we know it, we've pretty much entered into a marriage relationship without there ever being a marriage there. And we have to be careful with that. Because that is not God's plan. That is not God's design. Guy or girl, I don't care what you are in here, there is nobody in this world that wants you and loves you more than God. He sacrificed his own son's life to prove that. He designed you, he made you exactly the way you are, and he did that for a purpose. And that means out there somewhere, he made and designed somebody that is fit for you, for a purpose. And when we date, that's the mind that he wants us to have, that we're looking for that person, that our relationships, that our actions, that our words are not just gonna satisfy our needs at the time, but they are going to fulfill his desire and his plan for our life that we are going to honor him because like I said, he loves us so much that his son died on a cross for you and I. 
because of the sin that's in our life. Every one of us, I don't care how good you are, we have selfish desires to satisfy ourselves, to satisfy our needs, our wants that have nothing to do with honoring God. And he said, guys, I love you too much to leave you there. And his son died on a cross so that we could come to him and say, God, forgive me. God, I've messed up in my dating relationships before. Forgive me. God, I want to start over tonight. I want to do things the way you have them planned for my life. Forgive me. And he will. And he does. And you get a new start. I had mine when I was 14 years old. I remember praying a prayer and asking God to forgive me of my sins. And my life has never been the same. Has it been easy? No. Has there been hard times? Yeah. But I wouldn't have wanted to do it without God. And I want to tell you, each and every one of you tonight, that love you're looking for in a relationship, you will never find it until you find it with God first. That's his plan. For us to know love through him so that we can take his love and share it with others, especially through our family. You guys bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. I want to ask you to be honest. And I, I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about this. If you're here tonight, be honest with yourself for a second. And if you know in your heart that you have not followed God's plan for love and for relationships, <laughs> and you want him to forgive you, and you want to do it differently from here on out, I want you to ask him to do that right now. Talk to him. Because he's listening. Because he already knows where you've been. He knows the relationship. He knows what you've done. He knows all of our secrets. And he's willing to forgive every single thing that we've done against him. And if there's anybody in here tonight, you've never experienced that love from God. You don't know what that true love looks like, so you don't know what it looks like in your relationships. If you're here tonight and you want to, for the first time in your life, I want to ask you that as soon as the music starts, you just want to know more about it. Everybody's going to be standing, so just slip out of your row and step to the back of the room and come talk to me or talk to Miss Diana or Miss Kathleen or Pastor Perry. But don't walk out of here tonight without experiencing that true love. Don't walk out of here tonight without knowing the plan that God has for love in your relationships and the goal that he has for each and every single one of us through that marriage and through that family. God, we do love you for who you are. God, we thank you for the way that you the way that you bless our lives with love, God. And God, I pray that you will help each one of us as, as, we, as we are in these relationships, those, those of us in here that are married, those of us who are single, God, those of us who are dating somebody, God, I pray that you will help us to make our goal for those relationships your goal for our life. God, to experience, to practice, to fulfill those loves, those desires, those needs within the context that you created it for, God in marriage, in family. 
God, we do love you. And I know there's some of you in here tonight, you've got a completely different prayer request. You've got something else going on in your mind. I pray for those prayer requests every week. You've got a green card in front of you. Pull that out and write it down. And put it in the basket up here to my left. God cares about what's going on in each one of our lives. Please don't walk out of here tonight without talking to him about it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.